That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June. Greetings from Podcastville. Welcome to another episode of the Papa's Corner Podcast. Today, I had the pleasure of chatting with my friend, Mr. Dan McDonald. Today, we chatted about his time in the Navy, uh, his work as a firefighter, and whatever else comes to mind. So, I hope you all enjoy. It gets all messed up. You think that's the reason? I mean, that's a good. That's a good know. guess. I just made it up. So no, that's a great guess. <laughs> I mean, that's that's more accurate than what I would have come up with. So here you are. What's up? The Dan McDonald doing a podcast here from his man cave, address seven four six two, Spring Creek Falls. <laughs> Try, dude. I'm excited. Thanks yeah. for letting me come over, dude. This is really cool, man. I've never. It's a first for me, so... So tell me, what's your relation to Ronald McDonald? Um, you might find this hard to believe, but no relation Fuck that I know of. God damn it. Let's end this podcast That right I now. know of? <laughs> I don't know. Family lineage. Where's your family from? Uh, you mean like the overseas part? Or just from here. Are you from Texas? From Texas. From, from this area? I grew up in Houston. Oh, okay. I grew up in Houston. Me and Justin, actually. Whereabouts? Sharpstown. So, let's say Houston's the major city. Where, like, what direction, relation? Closer to the coast? No. West? Oh, uh, say southwest. Inside the inside loop. So, like... Oh, so you were in, in the town, city. In the ah. city of Houston, yeah. So you're a city boy. Yeah. Interesting. Where did you move out of the city? I think this is nicer. When? Oh, when. I'm sorry. Um, graduated high school in 2005 and moved to College Station. For college? For a school, yeah. What did you study? Nothing. <laughs> I went to school total super uh, I don't want to say dropout but I didn't even finish uh, for my for full st- first year of school and then you went um, I went to fire academy okay went to fire school because uh, A&M has a, a pretty pretty bomb fire academy so that was pretty cool I mean I, I remember going I mean all the guys, there's a bunch of Aggies at uh, at the gym, so if anyone's listening, they'll know. You go to Nuclear Science Boulevard, in the back, like, behind campus, behind that highway, I forgot what it is, 2818 or something, and they burn. You'll see huge columns of smoke, they'll, they'll burn, you know, they'll do night burns, and... What are they like, burning? Uh, fuel, hay, and... For just just cause or to put them out to practice or yeah it's training oh okay yeah and you know you see them I'm like 
man, that looks so much cooler than studying English. I, uh -huh. I, I just want to go do that, you know. Interesting. So yeah. you just went. Yeah, and my dad, my dad's a mechanical engineer from A and M, so my grades were nowhere, nowhere near good enough to get into A and M initially. So I didn't even. I just went to Blinn there in, in school and didn't even. <laughs> wasn't even. I don't want to say wasn't even good enough, but I had almost zero interest in school at that point, you know. So kind of feeling like I had to follow dad's footsteps and my dad's brother, my uncle is a some big job estimator guy. He graduated from there and it's like kind of a it's kind of a thing. Interesting. Which was pretty cool. You know, I, I didn't I didn't hate it. So Sounds like you hated it enough to drop out. For sure, yeah. It, it was not. <laughs> I hate. I was not ready for for school. I barely passed high school, like barely. And uh, I should have known better. <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember calling my dad, and was like, "Dad, I don't want to go to school anymore, man. I this is not." And you know, cause I never really had that conversation. He, I, I think he just assumed that after high school you should really go to college. And he had a hard time too. You know, he went to Solroth State and Alpine for a few years to get his grades up too, to get an A and M. So he he kind of was like, you know, you know, so we're not, you know, we're, uh -huh. not, we're not the sharpest thorn on the bush. But if if you know, if you really want something, you'll you'll find a way to get it. And, mm -hmm. I just remember making that phone call and it was like maybe I was 19, you know, it was probably the hardest phone call I've had to make to date. It's like, dad, this ain't for me. And, uh, he was like, well, you know, nobody said it would be, you know, it's not easy. So, you know, whatever you want to do, just, just be really good at it. So I was like, oh, sweet. That went way better than I thought. Okay, I got an interesting question for you. Did it did it make you emotional to have his reaction be that way? Um, probably not emotional. Mm. Just really relieved, for sure. Because I was ready for the uh, oh, you gotta stick it out. You gotta get in there. You know, you gotta study. I was ready uh -huh. for that, and I was just like, but looking back, it it kind of makes sense because. Growing up, he was never like that. You know, I would try a sport. I never really played sports as a kid. Uh-huh. Never played sports in school. <clears throat> I think I did... I think I did one year of football or something. You were a band kid? And hated it. No. I played trumpet a year and, and okay. didn't like it. So, I was like... Yeah. I remember at Little League and all this stuff, he, he, he was never that... Can't quit now. You know, he was uh -huh. just like... You know, it's cool, you know. This, you to, this running basis isn't for everyone, man. We'll, we'll find something you like to do. And oh, interesting. So I, I guess I should have seen it coming, you know. I, he was just kind of go where the wind takes you, but mm -hmm. more conservative mindset than that. But but more or less. Like. So what you what you do growing up? Like most kids say they say, uh, I mean, for me, I played Little League. Well, I, did you have any like hobbies or anything? Um, my dad's a mechanical engineer, 
so we spent you're tinkering with things yes constantly uh. electronics and we used to build engines when i was a kid and yeah what kind of like engines that. for like cars like cars you yeah oh nice yeah. car engines mostly mainly we're, we're we're kind of a ford family so mainly small block ford big block fords and stuff like that any fast cars you guys ever oh, yeah. built a car yeah yeah what kind what kind what was your question like any rebuilt cars like faster cars like mustangs or yeah um i had a mustang dad used to have a mustang uh built the engine for it it was a it was a 289 we we you know we punched it out and built it up a little bit and it looks really cool he sold it then he had and my brother came along and then sold all the fun stuff and mm. but um not that he's to blame my brother's super cool so how old are you and your brother apart uh three years okay you're older obviously yeah because he said my brother came along yeah yeah so okay let's get back to this fire stuff so were you when you got into that fire academy were you like hyped like that's what you wanted to do yeah yeah it was like um when i was there learning about fire i mean i'm taking a driver operator class right now having to relearn about fire pumps but i remember learning about stuff like that very young and i was just like this is so cool fire pumps yeah like on the trucks and stuff okay yeah and uh i remember being there showing up showing up at five in the morning for pt it was just super cool didn't care you, you wanted to be i there. wanted to be there it you know really that's cool. badass that you found something that you wanted like you woke up and you immediately looked forward to it yeah because there are way too many people who wake up and do meaningless shit that they don't 100%. care about 100 percent. yeah how long have you been a firefighter uh, i got my first job in 2008 so over 10 years right about 15 yeah five of those years was in the navy okay so not uh not a full 15. well thank you for your service yeah thanks so you went to school then you went to the fire academy and then did you go to the navy right after that academy was over or how did no, that work i was a fireman uh, my first fire job was in 2008 in a small town called gladewater texas is way out He's probably an hour from the Louisiana border. Okay. Up north off I-20. And... Uh, you I said went, east. What's the closest big city you said next to Louisiana? Bonnie, Tyler. Tyler. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so how, how close to, from the border? Probably an hour and a half, maybe. Okay. And, uh, man, that's kind of where I cut my teeth uh, in Gladewater because I... I was so young, you know, I didn't... What do you anything. mean, cut your teeth? What does that like, mean? That's where I learned the ropes, and that's where okay. I really... That's kind of like where I... Became a firefighter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so do it tell, was, do it tell. Was, it was really cool, yeah. I, and they do... I mean, any any small-town fire will contest. Like, you just do... It's just, it's just a different beast compared to city stuff. It's just... You're kind of by yourself, you know, so I had to do 
in that environment, you get thrown into a lot of situations that in fire school, fire academy is taught by a bunch of college station firemen, Houston guys or whatever. And they're used to the, the structure and echelon of, you know, the fire department structure and how it works. And But in Gladewater, it was just like, here's your truck. It's time to go to work. And you're like, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And so was, you're proverb, proverbially thrown into the fire? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, ready or not. All right, so do you have any good, interesting stories about? Is it is it a small town like in the a rural area or? Yeah, yeah, it's small town. So how often would you get calls for fire? Surprisingly, more often than you'd think. the The city was kind of a broke city. Um, it was a it was a low income environment to begin with. Uh huh. And then you just had a bunch of rural like a bunch of. Uh, farmland and so we got to do a lot of like cool wildland stuff was really super cool and uh a lot of structure stuff too in town is a town probably of four thousand people maybe Uh uh-huh but you were getting calls every day no 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 i wouldn't say that okay uh we worked 24 hour 40 24 hour on 48 off shifts 24 shifts how many calls do you think you got a week? A week? Probably average two a day. Medical or whatever. Or most of a medical? I'd say probably half. Because out here or like in the city, like 90% are medical from what I've heard from. That's that's pretty accurate. Um, at, at the time... That that city didn't run medical calls. It was old. It's old school, like seventies, eighties mentality. They contracted ambulance for that, so that's what the city was paying the ambulance to do. So we didn't do that. Why do we have it here that fire does medical calls first? Right, fire is the first on scene for medical calls here. Mostly, yeah. And then they call an ambulance if they need to? Or do they always they're, call they're, an ambulance? They're dispatched at the same time. Mm. They're dispatched at the same time. Engines, <clears throat> engines usually get there quicker. And why is that? Are there more stations than there are ambulances sitting around? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Typically. I don't know how BSB runs. What's BSB? Bulverde uh, Spring Branch. Uh, okay. And where are you at? Balcones Heights. Uh, okay. Balconies, that's uh, that's how it's pronounced. I always call it balconies. Yeah, I think I always call it balcony heights. Yeah. Or the balcones. Balcones. Sounds like a rich area. It's definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, let's go back to where your first fire station. Yeah. You have any interesting stories that you remember? Like like give me one fire that you put out there that was interesting or people dying that you found I don't know anything not really uh, there was a decent house explosion there was a I'd say one of the funniest stories I have is uh, 
me and a, a really good friend of mine, I, I still contact with, he's actually a driver in Arlington right now. And uh, we went out to the county. When you go out of town, you take a different truck than you use for the city. Okay. And uh, so we took this big truck, this big tanker truck, pumper. And we go out of town. Volunteers have a reputation of not having the best training and uh and out there it's like exacerbated you know from what you probably find around here if there are volunteers around here i'm not even sure uh-huh. we go out of town be called to a house fire out of town so me and me and him load up and go and and this thing's ripping i mean it's you can see it, it's it was just starting to get da- uh, dark like it is right now it was just you and one other guy yeah and uh you can see the glow off off the highway and you're like here we go it's gonna be a lot of work they get there and it's a new construction house that was lit off for some reason i don't know so we finally get out there we get the hose off the truck and we essentially put the fire out and uh there wasn't wasn't much to it from what i remember we did it just to me and him, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, the volunteer department shows up. Him, uh, some fire chief guy—I forgot his name. I'm digging in the vault here, but I remember. Okay. But I remember um, a couple of volunteers show up, and they're all fumbling around with equipment and stuff, and and me and Pat are just like. You're done already. Yeah, like what? What do you? <laughs> I mean, you can help us throw hose, I guess, which would, which was really beneficial. I mean, yeah, we're tired of shit. But uh, so the fire chief gets all up in arms, man. He's super pissed at you guys. Yeah, you can't be doing that. You know, these guys leave their houses and they and they and they, you know, they want to come here and they want to spray water and all this stuff. So you can't be putting out the fire quickly. Yeah. Because the volunteers want to do something. Yeah. That's not all situations. (laughs) That was right then at that point. Yeah. At that part of the state, you know, it's a very isolated event, hopefully. And my friend Patrick looks at this chief, chief, you know, and just goes, you know, this isn't a roller coaster ride, dude. You know, you just can't line up and we just hold everyone's hand and take one. This isn't training. This Uh is somebody's house. You know, what is wrong with you? And we both got not written. I don't think we got written up for it, but we were like, you can't. Yeah. You can't be talking like that to these guys. That's crazy. That was fun. But he was the fire chief for you or for the volunteer? For the volunteer department. Wow. Interesting. Like, that makes me feel like the chief of the volunteer department should have no say to the like real firefighter like paid guys yeah the paid guys who are trying to get there and get their job done yeah there's there's quite a bit of animosity between paid and volunteer firemen interesting depending on where you are you know uh-huh i guess if you train with 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 guys all the time paid or volunteer i guess it's not a big deal but we we didn't have very much respect for those guys. Do the volunteer guys go through the same amount of training as you do? No. Okay, so how do you become a volunteer firefighter? I don't know. I guess you just show up. 
there's got to be some, something like an online class. I know, I know that I know that volunteers have they do like monthly trainings and stuff like that, and it all gets logged, and the state has record of all that crap. But uh-huh. I don't, I don't, I don't know, no like initial official classroom instruction on how to be a fireman. It's all like on the job stuff. As far as what. The training, the, the job, yeah, training. Oh, okay, but as far as I know, they 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 go to the department. And they have to get voted into the department, and it's it's a oh, it's a weird. Yeah. So that truck that you took to the scene—that's the big tanker. Yeah. Was all the water that you needed to put out that fire on the truck? Yes. Wow. Uh, How that much? Truck, that truck held twenty five hundred gallons of water. And so, let's say. Um, Hypothetically speaking, uh, two thousand square foot house, two stories, is fully in flames. Is that twenty five hundred enough? No. Okay. So this was a smaller structure. This was, yeah, yeah. It, it was a probably a nine hundred foot square foot house. So how, how how many tankers would be needed? Like, is it like in the case that there is a big house of like a 3,000 square foot house on the in the country that's 20 minutes away from the closest fire station and they need to send out how many trucks or how would they go about putting out that type of fire okay so what would be the protocol do you know there's there's two there's two ways of doing it okay you can dump you can drop a dump tank which is X amount of gallons of which is basically just a collapsible swimming pool are you talking about uh, helicopter? No, this is attached to the truck, and you take it off and you deploy it. Okay. And tankers drive by, and they just jump water in it. Whoa, interesting. And then they go, they they'll drive off, pick up more water, come back, and dump it in the tank. Whoa. Okay. There's that. Okay. Or um, and we we do used to train on that a lot out out there. Uh huh. And. Uh, what we used more often than not was just we would have the attack pumper, whatever we're pumping off of for the fire, and then a hose would run out from that to the main road, which would have another stationary tanker or engine, preferably a tanker, from, uh, from a mutual aid uh, department, volunteer, whoever. And then we would have people from other departments shuttle in and use that tanker on the road as the dump tank. So we would just shuttle oh, into I that see. and he would just have a constant rotation of water and he would flow out to the pumper. Ah, I gotcha. And that, that seemed to work easier than in the pool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think everybody got that concept more than um, dropping the tank and how often would that happen? Almost every fire you catch out in the county. Oh, okay, so fires out this far—is that how they would do it out here? Yeah. Um, like, are there fire extinguishers anywhere on these roads? That's a good question. I haven't seen any hydrants here. I don't know. I don't no know how clue. BSB would do it. Oh, okay. 
But everything that you, all the calls you take, in balcones, right? The old balcones, yeah. The old balcones. Yeah. <laughs> every t- <laughs> every call that you take out there, they there's extinguishers close close enough. That's all San Antonio water. So, but I mean, so there's, there's, sorry, hy- there's fire hydrants. There's like, hydrants everywhere. Yeah, hydrants everywhere. Ah, so then you did that. You went to your first place. When did you decide to join the Navy? Was that right after you were there? No, I. So Jessica was working on an ambulance and hating to put it lightly, East Texas. Didn't like it. I didn't care for it either, but I just kind of just wait time back up. What's up? This is a, a fucking Netflix movie start right here. Why? <laughs> Did you meet before going out there, or you were a firefighter and she was an ambulance driver, and then you met? No, we met in high school. God dang it! Yeah. <laughs> I was about to Sorry. pitch that to Netflix yeah, right no. then and there. Not that cool, no. All right, so she didn't like it out there. Yeah, she didn't like it out there, but she she was a paramedic for a while, but she she didn't like it out there so she was like we need to move looking at looking to move into austin no way we're moving back to houston it's like okay so central texas i guess not living in el paso or midland or or dfw was kind of out of the question too it was too houston like and we didn't want that so it was austin san antonio and uh so I tested, I just tested all the, I tested for departments when I was working in Gladewater, but when we found out that that's where we needed to be, I just started testing for everywhere inside San Antonio that would, that would hire me. So mm-hmm. I, I tested for all those guys, Alamo Heights, Terrell Hills, Almas Park, all those guys, like Hollywood Park, I think I tested tested for Converse and Live Oak and all those municipalities. Okay. And that was probably only because San Antonio's test wasn't available at the time. So the out, everything outside of San Antonio? Yeah. Okay. Or on the outskirts of San Antonio, or, or, essentially. That's not incorporated city limits of San Antonio, yeah. Gotcha. And then you got into Balcones Heights? And then... I finally got hired at Almost Park. Okay. And uh, I probably, I worked in Gladewater for four years or five. And I worked in Almost Park for for three and some change, I think. And uh, super slow city, Almost Park is super slow and uh, I was really incredibly grateful, you know, for the job opportunity. It was but back then; it was really hard to get jobs. Like you couldn't. Right now, you could probably just walk onto the fire department, but oh, then they, didn't it, search, they didn't need firefighters. It was it was super competitive. So I was just happy to have the job. Ended up getting on a good crew, met some really cool dudes, and uh, stayed there for a few years. And then um, a couple of guys. Went to Balcones Heights and uh, sold the idea. The atmosphere is just better. The city, working for the cities is a little bit better. So I started looking at that. I did part-time 
and then made that official move, quit Allis Park, worked for Balcones Heights in 2015, I think. Okay. And by then, all the while, uh, trying to get into to as good a shape as possible. I was training for special programs. I wanted to be an Air Force. I wanted to be a combat controller, like really bad. And uh, so I was training with a lot of Air Force dudes, the PJ guys at Lackland. I, you know, they'd I'd go and do their training programs and all this stuff. I uh, went to MEPS. They said it was a no-go. Uh, my hearing was too bad. I joined the Air Force. And I was pretty crushed because I had tested for San Antonio and uh, I made their test. I think I was like 43 or something. For the fire department? Yeah. And uh, which is supposedly like the Mecca in the area, you know, you're like... Oh, being San Antonio fire? Yeah. People, people from all these small towns, they work for San Antonio. Like, that's the end goal. San Antonio is like, you know... And uh, so I, t- I took myself off the list. All I had to do was go take the uh, polygraph in the process. I'd already passed the test. I'd already done the physical and all this stuff. Uh-huh. So I took myself out of that process to go draw bombs for the Air Force. Wait, so polygraph test, isn't that like a lie detector? Yeah. So they ask you what type of questions? Do you know? Whatever they want. Interesting. And I just want to see if you're a liar. I guess. I don't know. Hmm. I think my buddy works for San Antonio. I'm going to ask him what kind of questions they asked him. So you decided to join the Navy in the meantime. Yeah. So Air Force shut me down. Um, I remember being at MEPS. I was crushed because I was working with these guys for almost a year. You know, Training. I, training. I work out all day, every day. I would take days off of work to go work out at, you know, do whatever I needed to do. Swam my ass off and uh, got the maps and I was just crushed. They're like, we're not going to take you. I was like, well, that would have been awesome to know like a year ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the guys at the map station, some civilian guy that works there, said, you know, Air Force isn't the only branch that does, you know, spec war cool shit. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, you're right, man. So kind of came back home, licked my wounds a little bit. And then I was like, you know what? He's right, dude. I need to, I'm in the best shape of my entire life right now. Like if I'm going to do this, it needs to be like right now. Still older. I think I was 29. And, uh, so I hit up the EOD guys and uh, started working with them. It was like it just felt like the same exact process. Go the E what? EOD. What is that? Explosive Ordnance Disposal. Okay. So is that similar to like um, maybe this is dramatized, but the Hurt Locker, the guy that does that's that Army. Stuff? That's EOD. Yeah, but that, okay. that's Army to EOD. Okay. Uh, the Navy's EOD is a lot more uh, expeditionary based. What does that mean? 
it means uh, like the army UOD guys are cool dudes, uh, but it's like a, a, a regular army unit uh -huh. that does EOD stuff. Okay. And uh, same thing with the Air Force EOD guys and the Marines. And the Navy is different how? The Navy is different because you need a uh, swim qual. They do underwater demolition oh, stuff. Oh, interesting. They okay. They do uh, parachute, high so opening stuff. So more specialized, yeah. quote-unquote, missions, right? For sure, yeah. Okay. So you started training with them. Started and training with them. Were was, you in the Navy at this point? Or no, 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 no. No, not yet. And this is the same song and dance, you know. All right, you know, come here. We'll do some swims. We'll do this. We'll get your times. Okay, cool. Um, and I never, I, I mean, I was competing with like 18-year-old kids, but I never like exceeded, far exceeded numbers. I hit the numbers plus a few, and that was good enough. <laughs> like that was good enough for me, you know. Uh -huh. Very, very, very average uh, competitor, but... Uh, yeah, the EOD recruiter guy calls me. He goes, dude, you're not going to want to hear this, but your hearing is not even half of what it needs to be for you to be in the program. And I was just like, come on, man. Like, I just could catch a break. It felt like, you know, I was so committed at that point. I was like, you know what? My grandpa was a Marine. I'm going to go... I can still go in the Navy with my, my hearing results, um, but I'm going to be a corpsman. If I can't get corpsman, I'm just not going. I got too much too much going on for me here. I don't want to leave. So miraculously, they found a, a job opening. And so I left to be a corpsman in the Navy. And where did you do your training? Uh, boot camp in Illinois. And then core school is right here at Fort Sam. Did you do any tours? Uh, I did two deployments. Is that something you're okay to talk about? Yeah, they're pretty chill. Where, where did you deploy to? Um, for this to make sense to the military people listening, I need to, first, I, I just wanna go over duty stations real quick. Sure. So, the Corps of the Navy, I'm trying to paint a picture, I was 30. 30 years old, 10 years of, or almost 10 years of firefighting, EMT experience, you know, go in the Navy, get selected for orders. I got orders to Marine Division, uh, 2nd Marine Division in, in Camp Lejeune. Uh, they got scrapped. Wait, wait, hold on. Were you at Camp Lejeune? I have been there yeah but you weren't there the orders got scrapped you said yeah Woo -wee. so i was about to tell you about the commercials i've been seeing oh, oh yeah file a claim if you've been to camp lejeune yeah well it gets better because i have been to camp lejeune oh good god um, <laughs> um i'm not growing horns yet so <laughs> we're good to go okay so the orders got scrapped orders got scrapped all the guys in core school in that block of those three classes or whatever just got bottom barrel orders, like the stuff that nobody wants, you uh -huh. know? And uh, I ended up 
working at labor and delivery in the Portsmouth Medical Hospital. Labor and delivery? Yeah. Wow, so you delivered babies? Assisted. I, okay. I was like way down the totem pole. I didn't do uh-huh. anything. Um, that was interesting. Wasn't thrilled about it. Picked up rank. I got put in the OR to do C-section stuff, which was way better. Left there, got orders to uh, Coastal Riverine Squadron for the Navy, gun gunboats and stuff. One one question, real quick. So, I don't want to forget. Um, when you're doing that, <clears throat> when you're doing the C-sections or just in the hospital in general, that's on base, right? It's on a base. On a base. <clears throat> yeah. And on that base is all that you're treating um, military personnel and family of military personnel? It's a... Uh, it's both. It's it's people. Oh, okay, civilians too, outside the base. From outside the base, you can get medical treatment there. Uh huh. No, they have to be they're a civilian. They have to be veteran or oh okay or whatever. I, I don't see. affiliated with the military somehow, dependent or someone's kids or you know, ah gotcha stuff like that. Gotcha. Then they can live. Obvi- yeah, I guess. Just answer my own question, but yeah, I was gonna say they can live off base and then they sure. drive to the base. So then you got uh, would you say something water about the gunner, water gunner? Uh, yeah, I got orders to Riverine Squadron. R- what is that? River what? Uh, Coastal Riverine Squadron. Riverine. Yeah. What is Riverine? That's just what it's called. Like uh, like real small patrol boats. They run up rivers. And oh, okay. They're called Riverine boats, or what yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Without without going into insane like retarded detail, yeah. go in as much detail as you like. No, I don't know. It, well, <clears throat> yeah, the boats have a couple of fifties on them, a couple of two forties, and just go destroy water banks. And <laughs> but before, <clears throat> where was this at? Where? Yeah, uh, Little Creek, Virginia. Okay, there are a lot of small rivers up there, or, or bigger rivers. No, this was this was just the command I got assigned to. This command uh, deployed out to to places of interest. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, still under the Navy Expeditionary Command umbrella, which is kind of hard to explain if okay. you, if you don't know the structure. But um, but before that, I went to Field Med. Because I needed field med to go to have those orders, which is the same school that, like field, like a uh, corpsman that get attached to Marine Corps units, mm-hmm. they all go to that same field med school. And that was in Camp Lejeune for me, and uh, that was fun, I guess. How long were you there for? Three months. So did you file a claim yet? No. <laughs> no. I think I'm outside the window. Ah. What's the deal? What is it? The water was a contaminated, water contaminated or, something? or something. Did you even look into it to see if it was possible? I, I think it was from like 1989 to like 96. Oh, okay. So it was way back when. Yeah. So this was all before your first deployment. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I got schooled out. To field med, um, it took a while for my for my orders to get cut. 
like I had soft orders. They have soft orders and hard orders. I had soft orders to the Riverine Squadron and just sitting here waiting. Hard orders get cut, just sitting here waiting. So I, I ended up sitting in like some barracks, some like holding, you just sit in a holding pattern and get paid to do nothing basically and just wait for paperwork people to do their job. Uh-huh. I was sitting there and uh, one of the sergeants that was kind of in charge of us or one of the second classes or first classes or whoever, he was like, hey, you know, the OA 100 guys need a corpsman for artillery, whatever. And I was like, well, how long is it? I don't know. Well, if I'm out there and my orders get cut, can I leave? And he's like, yeah, you kind of have to because you have you finally have hard orders to go to your assignment, whatever. So I was like, whatever, I'm just sitting here doing nothing. I got to hang out with artillery guys, which was super cool. And then uh, four weeks after that, I got orders to the Riverine Squadron, which is that's pretty cool. And that's when you got deployed? Yeah, I deployed out of the Riverine Squadron. Where did you go? Uh, the first deployment was to Bahrain. If you want, if, if some some hardcore Navy dudes are not going to call out a deployment, you know. Uh-huh. But we operated off the Bahrain base, and we would go out and patrol. And uh, didn't really run into much. Saw so I ran a few times, and I think the biggest scare out there was when the General Salomeni dude got smoked and uh the base was on alert and we hopped in our boats and like went out to patrol like the coast for a couple of days which was way longer than the boats are designed to be out there mm-hmm. and uh so that was pretty crazy you slept on the boats oh yeah are they big enough to have like sleeping cots and all that yeah they're they're um these boats were not the uh, the small river craft that I'm the, thinking of, huh? Yeah, like the Vietnam. Uh huh. That's what I'm like control of. boats. These yeah. are way bigger than these are like oh. eighty foot boats. It has a mark. Oh shit! Yeah. So, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say it has four. This this boat we went out in Bahrain had four fifties on top, four two forties on the bottom. Uh, and a 25 millimeter machine gun forward and it was pretty things pretty gnarly <laughs> so you have a, a 50 cal yeah right a 240 what is a 240 240 is a 7.62 oh, okay. uh, machine gun so it's Light smaller than gun. a 50 cal way smaller yeah and then the 25 millimeter yeah what is that oh that's a is that the biggest one it's pretty big yeah oh shit you see all these, uh-huh. all these rounds, and they're all <laughs> linked together. It's pretty, pretty crazy. And you got to shoot them? No, never. I was medical, dude. I didn't get to shoot. Uh-huh. I had to qual. I had to qual on the weapon systems, uh-huh. but I was never. The shit's going down. I'm supposed to be like inside uh-huh. the boat, ready to. If anything, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Now you said not much happened. Mm-hmm. But okay, here's a. Maybe this is like a. 
a twisted, fucked up question. Okay. I'm going to ask it. Did you ever, like, want something to happen? Not that you want, like, the soldiers to get hurt, but did you ever, like, want there to be some sort of cl- conflict where there's, you know what I mean? Something. Yeah, like, yeah. maybe you kind of feel like uh, I'm here and I don't even get to do my job. Yeah, for sure. Um, mostly the latter. Like, I, I go through all this bullshit and all this training and stuff, and I, I can't even... I sit here on a freaking med bench yeah. and yeah. Like you can't put your uh, your efforts and your expertise to it's, work. It's very, very similar. That, I definitely had bouts of that and especially with young guys that I was deployed with and they were like, man, you know, I can't wait. But I'd, I was older, you know, and, and I I'd had that mentality for the, it's very similar to like, man that you're sitting at the fire station i can't wait to a house fire i want someone's house to burn up yeah yeah, and you're, yeah you're like uh-huh. you're like you don't really want someone's to lose their <laughs> entire house like that seems ridiculous right but if it's going to happen i want it to be on my shift so that yeah, i can yeah. go play it and stuff it's very similar to that and the guys are like oh i want uh-huh. you know we need to go out there and take fire and all this stuff and i'm like dude chill out yeah like, it's it's if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. You need to be ready for it. If not, then cool. We'll just cruise on home. Interesting. Yeah, that's like kind of how I feel about about storms. Like I love storms. Like Same. I love storms. And the worse the storm, the more exciting it yeah. is for me. Like when it sounds fucked up, but when people were out of power in San Antonio for like four days. Like, for me, I didn't mind it. Like, I got my heaters. I got, like, yeah. and it's kind of fucked up because I'm prepared for it. So, therefore, it's not, you know what I mean, as crucial. For sure. But then there's this, uh, there's this part of it. There's this element where it's, like, I get to control my survival. Whereas, like, when we live in such a, a cushioned and soft environment, we don't get to experience that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you deployed there. Um, yeah, there's there's um other uh, there's actually a lot of military people that I've done uh, podcasts with, and uh, I don't know. Do you know Greg Abrahamian? He's like a four thirty p.m. guy, Mm-mm. but I did one with him, and he deployed, and he was a a surgeon. Like he did Super like cool. kidney transplants, and he told me that a hundred percent of the, his uh, like units of doctors success rate was 100%. If you walked into that hospital, you made it out. That's impressive. Yeah, That's really cool. Those are the good numbers to tout around, I would would say. I think, yeah, I think he's mentioned that it was like one of the only units to have 100% survival That's awesome. That's Very interesting stories. Um, Damn, I hate when this happens. Because I do these podcasts and there are times when I have a question that I'm going to ask or a topic that I'm going to bring up and I completely forget it. Give me 30 seconds. Hold on. Let's see. I know what I was going to say. It's not that important, but I saw this video of these guys and they were, it was a, a Vice piece. You know Vice? Like Miami Vice? No, Vice. Oh. Uh, like uh, it was a, a journal. It was Vice journalism. They would, not they familiar. would so I think Vice got either they got sold 
or they got they either got bought out or they stopped I'm not 100% sure but it was like um, raw journalism like really raw like they've had people go into these uh, cartels and do like where they block their face change their voice and they you know that type of journalism and they were doing this thing where they were talking was it Vice? God damn it. It might not have been Vice. But anyways, they did this thing where they were talking to these guys who had been to war and had killed people. And they talked to this younger guy who was saying it's addicting. Like he got addicted to the rush and like he loved it and he Mm -hmm. wanted to go back. But then there's the older guys who may have become a bit wiser to the... um, What's the word? To the... Fuck. Maybe like the realities of war where people are dying and they're saying like, I hate, I don't like war. Yeah. I don't like killing people. But you had this younger guy who may not have come to that enlightenment that was just like, it's an it's a rush and it's the greatest sure. rush you'll ever feel. Yeah. I Speaking on that topic, I... I I think about this all the time, you know, and I was never really in thrown into that environment. Um, so, so you can't say for sure how you would think or how you would react mm-hmm. or how whatever. Um, but I feel like I, it wouldn't be that big of a deal for, for myself. And I, and I say that because I experienced that stuff at a young age also. Um, But if you're 18 and your job is to start killing people, it's different. It's different. I just experienced death and like car wrecks cut people out of cars and stuff. Yeah. 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 And um, so the, the time allowed me to mature. So I was already like, to, to say I was numb to it is not right, but I was already exposed mm-hmm. to stuff. So it would have been, a, that transition was a lot easier for me, I think. Yeah. But I, I, I could definitely see where you're a 18, 19, 20 year old guy and you're just like, yeah, I want a freaking machine gun. I want to kill somebody or. Uh-huh. Or I don't want to kill be the somebody. Hero. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that's probably better. Like mm-hmm. a, I could go murder people. That's not. That's, that's the not reality, what though. You For know? sure. It's yeah. not what you're saying, but that's the reality. Yeah. But then the people, other people, see it as they only see their side, and yeah. their side is I'm the hero, yeah. but not the other side. Yeah. I just wasted this freaking family of. Uh huh. Like, and there are yeah. there are guys who I just did a podcast with Almon. You know Jason Allman? I don't know him personally, but, but I've seen him around. Okay. Yeah. I just did one with him, and he told me a story about, um, like, there was a guy who was basically forced to fight for their, for the op- opposition. Right. Like, he's just a, a family man. Yeah. And they basically force him to fight. So it's sure, like, yeah. You're not realizing, as an American soldier, you're not realizing who you're killing. Those guys could just be forced into it. Oh, I'd, and, say, I'd say a lot of them are. And they don't deserve to die. No. Yeah. No, of course not. Yeah. It's yeah. the realities of it, huh? 
yeah, you just never know. So my assumption is all the training that you did in firefighting, it, you were probably, you would have understood how to stay calm when chaos is around you. Yeah, mental, mental training, I think. So when you first joined firefighting and you had like, do you remember how you felt on your first call? Like your adrenaline's pumping. Insane. Yeah, I do remember. Tell me about it. You're just, I mean, you're just like, I mean, you're you're physically, I was just physically shaking so bad. Uh I I just couldn't contain it, you know. And I jump off the truck, ripping hose off the truck. Not, I have no idea what I'm doing, you know. You just kind of revert back to the absolute basics. Mm -hmm. But people say that it's all a blur, you know, and just like, and there's only three of us, there's only three of us there, you know, so it's like you're doing multiple roles and you don't know what's going on, man. You're so, you know, everything's just moving so quick and you finally get to a point where I remember just realizing nozzle is at the door and this guy's waiting for me. So I, I was like, oh, I need to get going. So I threw my mask on and gloves and I was like, cool. I mean, just like... So shit happened and then you came to the realization like, this is what I need to do? Like, this this is happening. But the yeah. first bit was a blur? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't remember <laughs> going to the call. I, <laughs> I remember I remember getting it toned out as a confirmed structure fire and I was just like... Poof. And it was at night, too. Oh, man. It was Every like firefighter's or dream or what? It was cool. You know, that's interesting. That that reminds me of that quote. Um, we don't rise to the occasion. We fall to the level of our training. For sure. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Wow. So nowadays, nowadays, it's just work for you. Uh, or do I, you still get rushed? I still enjoy it. Of course. Um, I think I enjoy the... Because I drive a lot now. I drive the trucks now, so... That that's definitely a cool role to, to be a part of, and um, I enjoy the the camaraderie. I enjoy the the shift and calls come and go, calls come in, whatever you know, no big deal. But it's still it's still it's still cool. Like yeah, you, yeah, of course. You're rolling out of the station and you get called to a house fire or whatever, or apartment or something. You're rolling out and you see that column of smoke and you're just like. Pfft. We got it's go this. time. Yeah, we got it's time this. to go to work. Yeah, ah. so that's definitely still there. <clears throat> and that was there when I was in the Navy. I was like, man, I just wish I was a fireman again. Like, I just wish I was back at work. And wow, so you, this yeah. is your calling. I don't know, but I enjoy it. Yeah, but this is what gives you purpose. Yeah, and retirement's good. But, you know, like, there's those things where it's like, doesn't matter what you're doing, you want to go back to that one thing. Yeah. I remember on my second deployment, I remember uh, I deployed to uh, Jeb- Jebel Ali, I think. It's in UAE. Okay. And... Uh, <clears throat> oh, this is your second deployment? It is second deployment. Okay. So we hubbed out of Dubai, which is... Badass, chill, right? I guess it's, it's one of the perks. Like, I, I, man, I feel really bad for these for the grunts, you know, with Mar- Marine Division, and they don't. I was attached to Expeditionary Warfare, you know, command, so we got uh, we got treated pretty well. Like we, 
when we went back out, we rommed. It was during COVID, and we rommed at the Four Seasons. What's rommed? Uh, restriction of movement. Oh, okay. Sorry. I had to dig deep for that one. Um, yeah. Isolation. You said... <laughs> Y'all were in... Y'all were on vacation at that we point. We sit at the Four Seasons and bullshit in our rooms, order room service, whatever. All in the taxpayer dollar, huh? Yeah. Oh, hell no. I'm making yeah. some calls tonight. Yeah, make them. <laughs> I would if I were you. <laughs> yeah, dude. So it was pretty chill. and uh, But we left, left Dubai. We're on a rotation. Medical was on a rotation. So we left Dubai and we had to go spend 24 or 48 hours, whichever we needed to. On bay on, on the compound, uh-huh. it was like outside of town. So that was pretty cool. And then um, I forgot to mention in in Bahrain because EOD is under the same umbrella that that we were under. Okay. We were all 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 operate under expeditionary warfare. So EOD, they have dive. They have dive medical techs who are corpsmen, but they're they're divers, and uh, that's kind of all they do. And uh, they needed somebody in Bahrain. They needed someone to go. They got put on our boats, and we had to go look at a mine or some something. And they needed medical support for that, so I went with them, <clears throat> and um, they. Dove down, checked it out, and we're like, oh, we're good. A so mine in the water. Yeah. So you're talking like, you've seen Finding Nemo? Yeah. Is it Finding Nemo? Wait. What movie is it where the sharks at the beginning are like swimming through the mine? Yeah, and they're all hung up by uh-huh. chains. You know what movie that is? Is it Finding I, Nemo? I don't remember, but I know what you're talking about, though. So that's the real deal. That's real. Yeah, yeah. We went to go do something I don't know they, they checked it out and they're like okay well, cool whoa so I'd already worked with these guys I de- they deployed and these this same unit was from Imperial Beach California so they deployed to Bahrain and then most of them also a year later deployed to uh, Jeb they went to Jebel Ali for to do the same job that they did in Bahrain but over there uh huh it just happened to be in the same spot at the same time. So I already knew most of the guys and they're like, hey, what's up, man? So we uh, we got along. I got tagged to do uh, TDY orders to go hang out with EOD a lot. And that was really cool. We had manpower to support that. And they, they didn't have much medical support, which is weird. I guess they relied on, on other units to help them out. Or if they fail at their job, that's the last. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it I doesn't guess, matter. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. So anything crazy happen during this time? Any bombs blow up? Any? Did they ever Not have to really. defuse any any bombs that they were like, holy shit? We went to, uh, I went with them to Oman. We went to, I think we went to Jordan. For, for training we trained other forces and stuff so that was really cool oh yes we went to uh, I was just chilling in medical which is like a Connex box okay 
and uh where were you at this time jeb so we were, we were, we were just chilling and uh i'd already done all my morning stuff and mornings to call or whatever the officer i think he's a lieutenant the eod lieutenant guy came in and said hey dog um are you going to be available like in a couple hours? I was like, oh, I'm here, man. I'm, whatever you need, sir, I'm good. And he was like, where's your chief? I was like, she's back at the, she's at her hotel right now. Let me give her a call real quick. What's up? He's like, let me talk to her. Okay, cool. Talk to her. And then I talked to her as, hey, chief, what's up? And he was like, well, they need you for, they, they want you to tag along for this whatever, so just go with them. I was like, sweet. And uh, the sir came back in and was like, we have a brief in 20 minutes. You need to be there? And I was like, yes, sir. Cool. A much different... Um, he was serious. Like, he put on his game face. He was... Something was going... Something was happening, you know? Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, hey, bro. Uh, yeah, can I get some ibuprofen? Uh-huh. It was like... Shit's going down. He needs, you know, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Go to the brief. Brief's super short, you know. I usually give my spiel in the brief. All right, guys, you need to make sure you got this, this, and this. And uh, I didn't even have that opportunity. They were like, make sure you got fluids, make sure you got this, this, and this. And I was like, cool, roger that. Um, so we go a line of black suburbans pull up at the compound and uh, you know after the brief the LT was like you know make sure you're, you're good to go you got your armor you got everything your regular loadout whatever I was like alright sweet get in this truck I still don't know there was, there was a top secret brief before I even showed up they were just talking about logistics you know there was stuff that was happening that I didn't even know. I was just there for in case shit went down. So we got in these trucks, haul ass out to the middle of UAE, which is supposed to be, you know, safe airspace. And uh, come off the highway, turn, going down through the, the desert for a minute. And then we roll up. Air Force guys are there already. We roll up and there's this huge drone. It's I'd never seen a drone like that before, but like all the drones that fly super, super high altitude, it was one of those. Like how big? We're talking like a, like, like the size of a plane big? Yeah. Yeah. Fully armored. I mean. Unmanned or manned? It was unmanned. Armed. Like. Like guns on it, everything. Like ordnance. What is explosives yeah, and missiles? It, and yeah, I, I couldn't tell you what was on it. But, but there was a lot of shit. Yeah, the wings were full of shit. Really? Maybe, maybe it's fuel. Crazy, was in like there, when you saw it, you're just like, holy I like, shit. I was like, oh, that's what, what the drone looks like. Uh-huh. Cool. They're like, whole security. It's like, okay. And their EOD guys go in. And Air Force EOD was there. Uh, Navy EOD was there. And they're kind of doing stuff. And they're like, all right, cool get the trucks go off from the and they detonate it blew up the drone the drone ordnance everything 
Holy gone. shit. It was pretty awesome. But you never got to find out why? Or... It was Iranian drone. Oh. Wow. And how did it... Like, how did they land it? Did they hack it? It crashed. It? Oh, it crashed. Yeah. Because their software is, like, top-notch, you know. <laughs> it crashed. It's, it's probably like, using poof. one of those uh, Xbox remotes that you yeah. buy. Yeah, like they did in the in the submarine. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Too <laughs> the soon? Bootleg, the bootleg controller or whatever. Too soon? God damn it. How <laughs> big is explosion? I mean, if there are... It is pretty were, big. So if there are bombs on that drone, those went off, too. That... In the EOD world, I don't think it was that impressive. It was the first like actual oh, okay. explosion that I saw, and it was impressive. Yeah, but those the guys shockwave. Oh like, yeah, yeah. How far out in the desert were you? I couldn't. If tell you, you were to guess, drive wise, thirty minutes in. Three hours. Oh shit! So you were way out. Maybe there. two. Maybe two. Interesting. You know what's interesting is like. We go to war in different countries and, and we kind of make other countries our home. Yeah. But if you were to just, if I were to tell you right now that there is an American drone that crashed three hours from here and the Russians are going to go over there and blow it up. Like that's not even something that makes sense. No. You know what I mean? Oh, it doesn't because we have resources to handle that. And we have resources to not allow the Russians to come over here and take hold you know that too so it's it's like a that's not even something that we can conceive in our minds but in other countries it happens all the time i'm assuming yeah well they they have very little to work Mm -hmm. with so i'd say the majority big big daddy them yeah i mean it's just like you know we'll take care of this yeah take care of that kind of yeah it's definitely a different uh, relationship that america would probably ever have i don't think i mean i hope not being on this side yeah you would hope not so and then how long was that deployment your second both of them were seven months came home in eight and a half almost nine months and what was the reason for the delay well the first one was covid oh okay so so we're all getting ready to get on the plane and stuff and then uh one person on the plane tested positive and Bahrain Bahraini health officials are doing all these tests. One guy tests positive and we all had to stay for like three weeks or something. Oh shit. So you're kind of upset with them, but not that upset with them. <laughs> How does yeah. that work? Yeah, we were pretty pissed. Uh, okay. We were ready to go home. Yeah. The second, uh, we just got delayed for logistics. So the first one was during COVID. So you recently got out then. Yeah. Very recently. When, when did you get out? June 2022. So last year? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then you, are you back, you're back to firefighting? Yeah. At Balcones? At Balcones, yeah. Balcones, was it, did you have to like reapply or? Dude, okay, so I've been around here for a while. Uh, you ask any fireman, they know people, you know dudes. You know, I know dudes that work for San Antonio. I know a guy in uh, Live Oak. I know a couple guys at Barrel Boverde down the road here. Um, and I guess it's more strict than it used to be because they're like, oh, we're testing this day. It's pretty structured. 
like testing process for to get on with the fire departments is a test and you got to come back for a physical and then you have to come back for I don't know interviews and then maybe polygraph maybe not you know depending on what they want to do in the process or whatever and uh, so the guys are like oh man that's going to be super cool you're coming back you know we're testing this day <clears throat> friend of mine is Cibolo hey we're you know we're going to test in May keep your eyes open all this stuff and then um, I hit up a captain I worked with at Balcones and he was like you still looking for a job? I was like, yeah. I might test over here. I might test for Castle Hills. And he's like, man, you know, F all of them. If you want your job back, it's yours. I was like, cool. So you immediately got back on. That's badass, yeah. Yeah, no testing process, no, none of that bullshit. How's it been? Fun. It's you cool. missed it? Yeah. Yeah, I got a good shift. and Anything interesting happened? recently since you've been back um i got back i got back in october november last year uh-huh oh so you've only been back on the back in fire for what five months or not even six or so seven maybe uh-huh october start in october i think any interesting calls? Oh yeah, that, that area is a, a beacon of just. So what do you got? You got stories. We. I got back and uh, the guys are like, "How are you driving the truck? Do you want to?" I said, "I need some wheel time, man. I've been, you know, uh-huh. I've been out of the game for a while." And they're like, "All right, cool. So I get driving around. It's like riding a bike. No big deal. Pumping the truck." Super cool. All right. What is pumping the truck? Pumping, you know, you know, <clears throat> fire trucks have water on them uh-huh. and they have a fire pump. Uh-huh. And if you pull up to a fire, you have to engage the pump and get water out on the lines and stuff. Oh, okay. It's pumping the truck. Gotcha. Yeah. So are you, as a driver, the truck is like your baby? Essentially, yeah. And like you, are you the one who's in charge of flipping all the switches and doing everything like that yeah. in terms of the truck? Yeah. Uh huh. So Normally, you're, yeah. you're an expert. You're the expert of the truck. You should be. You really need to be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the driver position is super cool because it's you're more experienced than firefighters. Nothing wrong with firemen. Super cool. You can't just go be a driver. No. You got to be a firefighter no. first. Yeah. Yeah. But you're so you have that respect and that seniority, but you don't have. You know, the, you're not in the officer position to like make difficult decisions not that difficult decisions happen every day or every shift or every month or every year but sometimes officers make really hard choices and uh-huh. and uh, so you're respected it's just a cool spot you know it's like right in the middle yeah you have that respect people go to you for questions and ask your advice for stuff but um, not so far up that you get asked to do a bunch of stupid shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a cool spot. <clears throat> so no no big fire since you've been back? So we got back. How are you driving the truck? Um, you know, I'm cool. Drove the truck for all of, it was uh, 
I started in October, so I drove the truck all of October, um, redid some skills and whatever I needed to, and um, just in November, I think, I've only been back a month, November, apartment fire comes in, and uh, nobody even asked me, like, hey, are you good, dude? You, you know what you want someone else to step into this so I was none of that it's just to get that truck and just go uh, and it was cool like riding a bike people pulling hose off the truck like all right cool one two three uh-huh. all right start pulling levers and and do you jump in to help at all or are you just your standby on the truck the driver spot yeah um the driver position arguably, arguably is one of the most, the busiest spot. Oh, really? Yeah. Because you're, if you're first due, if you're the first in truck to a fire, which we were at that, you got a guy in the back and he's getting dressed and he's getting ready. He's pulling hose and stuff. Your officer is the number two man on the nozzle. So on initial attack, He's going in with a firefighter or a rookie or whoever. So the driver is like in that first five minutes, first five, ten minutes, whatever, is running the scene. He's calling for additional units. Mm. Hey, catch this plug. I'm parked <coughs> over here. Hey, bring me your par tags. All the while trying to yeah, know, yeah. get water on the ground and stuff. <laughs> it's really a pretty cool spot and it's like and then a few more people show up and captain gets relieved and he starts you know you kind of pass it off did you hear about the apartment that big apartment fire this might have been while you were in the navy it must have been because i want to say this was maybe three years ago on TPC, like right next to TPC, mm. there was an apartment that went up in flames, like a big apartment, like massive, dude. It was big. I remember driving by it. It was during the freeze. Oh, nice. <laughs> dude, it was during the freeze. And so nice. they couldn't use the fire hydrants that were there. So they had to truck water in. Really? Yeah. And that's why the apartment burned down because it's just no water yeah there was no water it was crazy that's pretty crazy crazy. that that's like you should look it up you got your phone right now yeah just see if you can see anything on there That, that that's like a once in a career event dude you know like i i forgot what those apartments were called if you just look up tpc parkway apartments fire was it 2021 something's gotta come up this is why I need a laptop I need to sit with my laptop or have a oh I typed in TPC Parkway freeze fire did anything come up yeah Oh, yeah. What is it saying? Uh, Frozen hydrants force firefighters to shuttle in water 
that's probably that's crazy yeah man it was wild it burned for a long time too oh that was in bearable verde that's crazy yeah it was wild <clears throat> it burned for a while my friend uh had an apartment there <laughs> not anymore huh no i don't think so actually i'm not sure if her structure went down but there were multiple structures what are you reading anything interesting it's a shuttle and shuttle in water it's crazy but at least at least bearable verde is familiar with that I don't know why I was, I was thinking it was like in like in town deep into San Antonio. Oh, you know where TPC is? Like the hotel? Yeah. Right there is where it was. Yeah. Yeah. I work <clears throat> I know a captain out at Bearable Verde. I work I work out there part-time. Oh, okay. Uh firefighters do that, right? They'll go work part-time at other stations. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Cuz I think I've heard of uh, another guy mentioning that. Um, it's not uncommon mm -hmm. for sure so there's a burn ban I think right yeah it just got put on I think so yeah a couple of days ago if I so I burn brush at a little ranch we got and like I've burned pretty massive piles before um it was sprinkling does that make it any better I'm assuming so yeah like me telling you that is there anything that you can think of that you're just like don't do this. Definitely don't do this. <laughs> do whatever you want. <laughs> if it catches fire, they'll put it out eventually. And they won't mind or what? I'd probably be pissed off, but whatever. I wouldn't burn in a burn ban. Yeah, you can you get big trouble. Or, yeah. No, this was this was recently. Oh, yeah. This was not recently, but a couple months ago. <clears throat> Even here, I burn brush in my backyard. Yeah. How big is your backyard? not big half an acre if that um anything interesting that you can tell me about fires i was going to ask you like is it possible for i've heard of like bales of hay just spontaneous combustion that's real yeah yeah and uh i've been to like automotive shops uh huh. I know. I know. They say this. They say this stuff in Fire Academy. Like oily rags will just combust. Oily rags. Yeah. Oily rags will just catch fire. I'm like, whatever. That's that's. I mean, I'm no chemist, but I just don't see how that could happen. Uh huh. It definitely happens. Really? Like, yeah. I've been to like little trash fires in in auto shops or whatever. There's got to be something else that's poured in there that creates a chemical reaction, no? Yeah, it's heat. Yeah, but <clears throat> what? If something mixes with something, it makes heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it has to be something mixed with something. It's not just like an oily rag, right? Or oily, if you like oily rags, maybe you have rags with like acetone or something, you throw it in oh, there. Oh, okay, like okay. Just, yeah. Uh-huh. But hay bales too. Like, I don't. Do you know how that works? You just put them out. Yeah, hay bales are a huge super bitch too. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Because they smolder. There's so much fuel. Yeah, they just sit there and smolder mm. forever. And you just got to keep soaking it. You just pick it apart. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so that's annoying. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the job you want to go to. No. So how... Okay. <clears throat> I've always wondered this. Sorry if that was loud as fuck. <laughs> I've always wondered this. How do fire investigators figure out where fires started and how accurate do you believe that they are? Pretty accurate. Um, have you seen Backdraft? Oh, no, but I've been on the ride at Six Flags. They have this thing where you walk through like the factory and they... Yeah. But that movie's about a factory burning down, right? Or something along, along those lines? I or just firefight Life of Firefighters? Uh, it's about... Uh, I don't want to give it away. You need to see it. It's pretty good. Okay. I feel like... It, it's a pair of brothers. Uh, one is a captain or a lieutenant at a station. And one is like just coming up. He's a rookie. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, that gives uh, me enough. Yeah. Okay. And he... The younger brother is trying to like live in his shadow and can't hack it. Mm. So he's like, well, I mean, I'm with the city. So he kind of gets tied in with the investigation side of things like admin stuff. And that's kind of like a bitch job, really. Oh, okay. Admin is for sure. But um, fire investigation is reserved for those dudes that have been in a while, you know, and have interest in investigation work. Uh huh. So he he helps uh he helps out the fire investigator. It's uh, Robert De Niro. Uh huh. Plays an awesome part, and uh, they figure figure something out. I think a guy died, and he helped him. He helped him on the case <clears throat> to put that guy away. Okay, now you're giving me too much. And then, <laughs> anyway, and then good he kind of, and then he. It's a good movie. And then he kind of like, he kind of fall finds his little his path, niche, and then uh-huh. he hops back on the truck. And okay, yeah. So at this point in your career, you think you can have a good idea of how a fire started? Decent. Like, let's say it's elementary, but decent. Yeah. Let's say you got to a house that was half on fire. You put it out. Okay. The owners aren't there to tell you what happened. You just got there, put the fire out. Does the fire investigation start immediately? Or how does that work? It can. And is it by you guys or is it by a completely different unit? Um, it's the fire investigator or arson investigator, whoever, um, will start their investigation It'll usually start when the fire's out. So they're there hanging out, waiting uh-huh. for stuff to die down, and then they'll go. And who gives the call to say, oh, the structure's okay to go in, even though it's been on fire? Like Incident command. Okay. Like the battalion chief or the captain, whoever's there. Uh-huh. But it's kind of like, he's not going to air it over the radio. You know, structure's good or whatever. He's... He's going to be like, hey, Paul, is, we're, we're good here. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you're good. Uh, okay, it's more yeah. like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's an investigator's been around long enough to know that he might just put a helmet on and start rummaging, you know, start digging oh, stuff Oh, yeah, out, okay, so. so they know what's safe or yeah, not, yeah, typically. Yeah, for sure. Because they've done so many. Is, is every fire investigated? To an extent, yeah, I think so. Like my neighbor behind our house, she had a... 
She said her shed was on fire and it was from the lawnmower catching fire. Don't know how. But like, is it possible that they would just say like, oh, we believe you, we don't need to investigate this? Sure, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not, no, no, no. Not everything's a, like a drawn out court case investigation. Uh-huh. Like sometimes it's just stuff just catches fire. <clears throat> and if it makes sense, especially if it's like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't really know what happened, but whatever. Yeah. I'll just build a new shed. And they're like, okay, cause unknown, whatever. Now, what if they're saying, oh, I need to contact my insurance. Then do you ask for it immediately on scene? Like, hey, I want to report or how does that work? Uh, I don't think so. If it's insurance companies will pay for their own investigation. And I only know that because I worked for a captain in Gladewater, actually, that was the city's arson investigator, but he also did it on the side for insurance companies. Oh, I see. So he would go dig fires out wherever, you know, 100 miles away for some insurance company and needed a cause and origin for whatever. Huh. Yeah. Is it possible that that's conflict of interest? Hmm. Interesting. Why would it be? Because what if he knew somebody Okay, I know where you're going with this. Arson investigators are also peace officers. So they're cops too. So there's like a certain code. I'm sure there's dirty. People are dirty all over the place. I'm sure there's dirty. <clears throat> yeah, also I didn't know where I was going with that. So you kind but of dirty cops it. like uh-huh. I know what you're trying to say like Somebody's trying to clean up on insurance, uh-huh, and he's like, "Oh, uh-huh. I'll just dig out your fire, and I'll, I'll cause it." Yeah, yeah, or whatever. yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, that that it's gotta happen. I'm sure it's happened before, but uh huh. I've never heard of it. Did you ever hear about that that uh, fire chief in L.A. who was setting fires? Mm-mm. So he was he was maybe not him, but he was having fires set. It was either by him or or. Um, by somebody else who he told to set fires and he was putting them out and he was getting like all this recognition and, <laughs> and he got caught that's, crazy. Dumbass. that's the only reason why i would know is because he got caught but yeah yeah it was crazy it was a big story it was they had to have been really quiet you know yeah for a long time and then the investigators for la were probably like they probably put pieces together like, and what like, the fuck what, is happening what is, here what is going on uh-huh again that's that would never happen. You know, that's a once in a career, maybe. Yeah. That, that never happens. You know. What is the most interesting way a fire has started that you've seen? Oh, I don't know, dude. Anything notable? Grandma blows her house up while cooking a thanks Thanksgiving turkey. I don't know. That house explosion. How, how would a house explode like that? It fills with gas. Oh, okay. And, wow. Uh, yeah. Like a legit, did you see the explosion or no, the aftermath of the We explosion? heard it. Are you serious? We what? heard it and it, it was outside the city. It was a county call, so. This was here in San Antonio? No, this was in Gladewater. Oh, so all the exciting shit happened over there. Crazy, weird stuff happened there and I don't know how or why, but yeah. And we, we 
it was early in the morning. It was like three o'clock in the morning. And uh, me and my friend Pat, we were on the same shift and we, something woke us up. It was like, just like, just like a weird. Oh shit. A weird noise or whatever. Like, that was weird. Like ice coming out of the ice tray or something, you know, like, uh huh. Like, whatever. You wouldn't think a house exploding. Right. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way you woke up, yeah. you're like, oh, dude, that was a house exploding. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we, we, we get the call, like, four or five in the, like, happened around, it was early morning, two, three o'clock, and uh, we went out there at, like, five, I think. So quite a, quite a while after. Yeah, I mean, people... I don't know why we got the call so late, but people were already there. It was it was outside of our response area, our initial response area, so it made like whatever. So me and my captain, Captain Fessler, the arson dude, we went out there to check it out, and it was like it just leveled, just really, just a slab. Really? Wow! It how, was pretty crazy. How far did the debris go, dude? Uh, I don't know. But there was nothing. Uh, there was bricks, uh, yeah, all over the highway. Really? Just like, what happened here, man? Like, whoa, this stuff you see in the movies. Uh huh. Somebody leaves the the gas on, and you know, yeah. Spark happens, and just boom, just blew the house up. It was like this old lady and her husband. I think he went. One of them went to the burn unit in Dallas, and the other died. Okay. Oh, wow. So people were home when that happened. Yeah. Wow. Must have been pretty loud for them. They probably did not yeah. think it was the ice tray. Probably not. Probably not. There's no way. Uh, God rest their soul. Yeah. Passed. So, okay, question for you. So... California has a ton of wildfires all yes. the time. Out here, it gets really hot and somewhat dry. I know there's way more humidity here, but what's, I know most of them are man-made, but like, how can those random fires get started? I'd say a lot of them are man-made from camping fires or, uh -huh. um, I've seen I've seen like trailers lose a wheel and the sparks catch grass on fire. Oh, I've seen that happen too. Weird stuff like that, you know. And then, then you've got the the random idiot with a blowtorch running around, ah, uh -huh. setting stuff on fire too. So you ever have that out here, like random fires in people's properties or almost Not that never, noticed, right? Yeah. <clears throat> you ever hear about those fires in Canada above New York? Yeah. How did those yeah. get started? I saw on a map. I, I saw. Know. Did you see that satellite thing? It's massive. But the satellite thing where it shows from it's clear, and then you see in the forest, like five smoke chimneys just start coming up out of the forest. How how would that happen? My, if you have a hypothesis, I want to hear it because I have one. Yeah, you got one. Uh, the fire can start. However, fire starts. But um, that's usually forest fires can definitely look like that. They can look splotchy. The wind will pick up the embers and carry it, and then it'll set something off over here, and then it just keeps kind of going like that. 
and you have the, the huge fires in California mm-hmm. from all that coastal wind and it just pushes big waves of you know forest fires mm-hmm. but um that's how I would say I'm I don't, talking I don't, about the one in Canada yeah I, I don't know how it initially got started but I, I could see where it would be spotchy like that and it could just kind of get carried weirdly and you know my hop- hypothesis what is it see there's a spaceship yeah that blew up upon entry of the atmosphere and parts of that spaceship landed in the forest okay because those smoke plumes came up in this video I saw don't know <laughs> how true it is what's your source here <laughs> I'm not sure but it shows like you can see weather right where the the clouds move over a certain area over let's say five hours and they condense it down to 30 seconds yeah it's like that <clears throat> and you see the um, topography of this forest and then you see these smoke plumes come up basically at the same time within a couple seconds of each other and they look like they're pretty far apart if a spaceship blows up upon entry the the shrapnel and the pieces from that ship are going to spread apart yeah or it's a satellite that came down broke apart and caught the forest on fire but i'm going with the alien spaceship spaceship it's gotta be it's a good bet you believe in aliens you ever had an alien experience, Mr. Dan McDonald? No. Huh. You believe in aliens? Are you an alien right now? I'm just trying to figure are you, out. Are you, are you an alien? Thinking. And you're hanging out in my house? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to be able to read you. I can't read your mind, so that's why I'm <laughs> asking you the question. Um, I think it's ridiculous to think that... We're alone? Earth is the only planet to sustain life. Yeah. In the millions of galaxies, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. I heard Elon Musk say that he had a friend tell him that uh, there's either a ton of aliens out there, a ton of planets that sustain life, or none at all. And what? And you're with the ton of them. I think I'm on that. I side. don't know. I, I wouldn't say a ton. I don't know if I quite believe that. It's interesting, though. Yeah. But it's hard to believe that Earth is the only life-sustaining planet yeah. in space. You yeah. Know, you see how big space is. It's vast. Super yeah. Vast. It takes like 170 million light years to cross the Milky Way. I think, yeah. Or whatever. Million like light you, years. You never. Yeah, you'll never. You could never do that. We're probably will be gone before we figure out whether there's life out there. For sure. Um. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And and I I, I listen. I mean, the human you, race will be gone, dude. You're you're going you're going off on this. Okay, so dude, yo, I, you're about I, to get into it. Get into it. I listen. Uh, astrophysicist Neil Neil, Neil Tyson. Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. And I forgot where I was going with that. But uh, it's okay. It's like a a star could explode, and you would never know like how far this stuff is Uh from the planet, from our solar system, from our galaxy. Is inconceivable. Like Like, we can't understand how far it is. Yeah, there's nothing. There's like no. 
<clears throat> like it's probably further. Go ahead. Yeah, 450 million years from right now, uh-huh. if there's even humans, uh-huh. like something will just flash in the sky. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that galaxy exploded. That was, <laughs> that started, you know. Massive. That's it's just really insane to me yeah. how long it would take for us to see that. It would take longer than an ant. It must take longer than an, for an ant to walk the circumference of the earth. Yeah. For sure. And they would die. And they would die. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> Did you hear Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about the cue ball and the earth? Yes. Fascinating. Yeah. Makes well, sense, though. Yeah, it does make sense. And... uh he said something about how far the moon is actually from Earth. Uh-huh. And it's like, he, he's got like uh, elementary kids. It's like, how far is the moon from the Earth? And they're like, you know. Uh-huh. And he's just like, take this and just walk that way. I'll tell you when to stop. It's like, okay, stop. That's how far the moon is from the Earth. And you're like. And the kid's ways away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it came up. How come we can't see, you know, the moon landing sites and all this stuff from our telescopes and all this? It's like, dude, okay, take you a pair of binoculars when you go hunting. You can't even see the freaking, like, the numbers on the, the feeder. Uh-huh. And you're at, like, 100 yards, uh-huh. 150 yards. Yeah. You can't read that. Yeah. The moon, like... A car, like the Moon Rover or whatever, is way smaller than that number, uh-huh. and it's like insanely way. Yeah, it's uh-huh. like like you're saying, inconceivable distance. Yeah, there's no way you're going to see that. So you believe we made it to the moon? Yeah, I do. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what to believe. But I don't know. I don't think I have a reason not to believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> Neil deGrasse Tyson also said that uh, when we see pictures of Earth from like um, space, like um, the space station, how it looks like you can see like it's a sphere. Yeah. It's not true. That's because of the way their cameras are. We're... Earth is so big that even though the space station's right here, you can't see really the curvature of the Earth. I, I believe that. Because it's so massive. We're just like, sitting in orbit. Yeah. They're just sitting like right on the outside. Right on the outside, yep. yeah. And he was like, it's all rendered like to be able to see that whole curvature because you would have to be way up there, like way up there to be able to see the curvature like that. And that just goes to show like how massive the earth is and it's small and it's small and it's tiny dude you know what i was thinking about a few days ago <clears throat> you know how they say J- jupiter venus those are gaseous 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 yeah like gaseous is yeah. that the word yeah. gaseous they're gaseous planets how do we know that like, i i think about that too i i don't know like, you know, you, you see uh, satellite images of the Earth, and then you see the clouds. And when it's, like, really cloudy, sometimes you'll just see a storm system. Yeah. Right? So, if we just see that storm system, we're not able to see the surface of the Earth. Right? Right. So, you, so if that storm system was big enough, you could look at that image and say, oh, that's a gaseous planet. Yeah. It's just covered in vapor. Exactly. Yeah. 
how do we know that's not Jupiter? What if there's life right there? <laughs> Jupiter? You know what I mean? Like, there's no way to know. How, how would you know? How, how do they know? Dan, explain uh-huh. that to me. How do they know? I'm not an astrophysicist. I didn't even go to college, dude. <laughs> I'm not an astrophysicist, bro. I don't These know, are the man. I think about Jessica's grandpa. I just put this picture up here. Jessica's grandpa was on the uh, got recruited. He worked for Boeing, and he got recruited to work on the Apollo program. Can I see that? Yeah. And he helped develop the parachute system for the Apollo wow. modules. Wow. Whoa, dude. How this cool is, is that? Crazy. Is that him right there? Yeah. Wow. That is badass. I can definitely see why you say that we uh, made it to the moon. That's wicked, dude. And they look like they're just dressed in normal clothes. They're chilling. Yeah. He got um, a quick, real quick backstory on him. Actually, super interesting guy. And uh, he got, he was in, shit. He showed up in Japan right after the war for occupation stuff. And then, um, no, I'm sorry, that was her mom's dad. He went to the Nuremberg trials. To, to stand guard, whatever. Missed the war. In Korea, he came back, went to college, went to Korea as an officer. Um, was it going to get... Oh, I forgot the story. There's a story of him. He's in the trenches. Um... Some general's aide dude comes down and said, you need to do this. God, what was it? You need to, like, host a, a senator's son or some some bullshit. Like, and he's like, sir, you're talking to, to general whatever, sir, or, or, you know, we're pinned down. I'm not doing this political bullshit or whatever. I'm not, I can't, I can't do it right now. I got my guys. I'm not going to step away from this to go do whatever. Click. And then calls back. He's like, I think he came back maybe a day, day or two later. He's like, you know, Lieutenant Norman, you need to take this. You know, this is career ending or whatever. However the story goes. And he's like, whatever. Go away. I don't have time for this. So he gets a court martial, you know, disobeying direct orders or something. Uh-huh. He gets court martialed. He gets the notice for court martial to appear whenever, which is insane to think about because they're like in battle. Like, mm-hmm. what, what what a ridiculous thing to begin with. Come to court. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And end up getting hit, and so he he got a purple heart and medical discharge before court martial even happens. So he's oh, just like, wow. he's like, fuck you. God damn. <laughs> so that was that's a funny story. That's his out. That's, I mean, it's not the greatest out, though. It kind of sucks. But he survived it's whatever. it. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. So he... Uh, not astrophysicist. Uh, aer- aeronautical engineer? He is an aeronautical engineer from Alabama. 
and uh, got hired at Boeing. Worked at Boeing in the 50s, into the 60s. Got recruited by this program, the government starting. We need you, can't say much about it, but uh, we want you to work on our airplanes or whatever. It was NASA. So he goes work in NASA. Long story short, he got put on the uh, the team to develop parachutes for the Apollo program for after reentry. Like that's pretty insane. Yeah, that's pretty insane. Is he still around? No, no, no. He he died a while ago. Dang it! Yeah. Missed my chance to talk. I know. To him. Me too. I didn't even meet him. <laughs> I, I oh man. Yeah. Sounds like a legend. Yeah, and he and he. One of his famous quotes that the family has is, uh, it "Doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm, I've, I've always worked for lunch money." Because he's a freaking NASA engineer. And uh, all he wanted to do was be a cattle rancher. That was his goal. But, you know, school, whole family's like that. School's just easy and it's easy money and Uh got a college degree. Interesting. Whatever. He's worked for NASA for a while. I mean, it sounds like he may not have loved it, but it's a, might be a little bit more interesting than being a cattle rancher. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, what he did for the program is just really crazy. Yeah. And there was, before there was, um, before you could log flight hours, you log flight hours for, for decades, but there was no rule on uh, what pilots needed to do for flight hours. There was always airplanes. You just had to fly to get flight hours. So he was coming up with these parachute ideas and they tried it. <laughs> and her dad tells it the best. is like, I mean, he tried it on a little rock. Oh, this was her grandpa. It's her grandpa. Oh, uh, okay. But her dad tells it. Yeah. He said, because well, he was a kid, you know, when all this yeah. was happening. And they tried this parachute on a little rock and then, you know, tried it on a bigger rock. And then they tried it on a dog, you know, and broke all the dog's legs or something. Oh, my God. Just, like, tons of trial and error in the 60s, you you could imagine, you know. And then uh, they kind of look at each other, well, we need to try this out on a human. They're like, not not behind a truck. They're pulling it, Uh you know, and, like, seeing how it falls and stuff. Uh They're like, well, we could – this was out at – Clear Lake and Houston, where NASA is, obviously. That's not like, very obvious. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't Clear have known. But no. I do know now. You know now. He's like, well, we could pull it behind a boat. And it falls. You fall in the water. And they're like, oh, well, that's a good idea. So they kind of invented parasailing. No way. Like, without actually inventing it. Wow. Interesting. And so pilots were using that to get flight hours uh, in a, some weird roundabout way until they caught on and they're like, ah, now uh, you gotta fly. You, uh, the astronauts, that's how they're getting hours in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's interesting is I feel like back in the day, I don't know when this began or when it ended, but the whole... Obviously, it was a progression. 
But during the times where people did experiments without really any rules, you know, like ethical codes. Yeah. Experiments on humans, experiments on animals, experiments on, you know, alchemy, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it was. There was no rules, and I'm assuming a lot of crazy shit happened. But I feel like that's a time in history where we made some of the biggest advancements, you know? That's what I, well, all progress <clears throat> happens when there's no red tape to stop you. Yeah. And anybody in the military can attest to that. It's interesting. It's like, yeah, the ethical codes and such are important, but it kind of slows us down. For sure. You know? Yeah. Um, what's... Let's say, Dan McDonald, today you're in charge of the ethics codes of experimenting on anything. You keeping the codes the way they are? Or are you saying, fuck it, let's go big, baby? No, I probably... It's one or the other. <laughs> yeah. it's a, either if it's, one, pick one. If it's one. one or the other, I'd probably just hang out like it is. As, as much as I don't like that, uh huh. I feel like it would just be... Safer, huh? Way safer. Yeah, I think you're right. I would just chill. <laughs> I, but that's just me, you know. Uh -huh. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of red tape I would probably do away with. If but, you had the chance, well, but course, you don't. Yeah, but I don't. But you don't. It's one or the other, so I'm just chilling. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Starting with a rock, then going to hey. smaller things. Yeah. It just goes to show that, like, you just have to get started. You know? For sure. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you just have somewhere. to get started. And I, I say this about the, the landings. And I say, my dad's an engineer. Her dad's an engineer. Her grandpa was an aeronautical engineer. Her dad was an aeronautical engineer also. And it's like, if there was any doubt, I feel like the engineers that I know would go, you know, I just don't see how that can happen. But they... But nobody says that. Mm -hmm. They say, let's test it. Yeah. And, and they said they they put physics to the limit and won. They they beat it. They they solved the problem. They solved the problem, you know. Of gravity? Or of what? whatever. Yeah. The, the problem of getting into orbit. Yes. And going from orbit and onto the moon. Like, I don't know. Fascinating. Yeah. And, and, um. Not to discredit anybody, or no offense to you, if because you didn't say you feel one way or the other, but I do feel like more people who uh, discredit the whole thing don't have that background. You, you know, you, you never you never hear about astrophysicists coming out and go, "This is all a sham." You know, this is all bullshit. It's it's all people who don't have that much experience in the field going well i don't understand how this could happen well you're not a you're not a aeronautical engineer like, yeah yeah you yeah. don't know what it would take to get there or not yeah and whether it's possible or not right yeah so yep that's just kind of my thoughts on it no that's a great point it's a great point i think that i think that's the way in a lot of things is that people put limits on themselves so they put limits on other people and they believe sure. that yeah a lot of stuff's not possible that's interesting. Yeah, and just because you can't fathom how something could work doesn't mean it doesn't work. Yep. That's great. You have a favorite quote? No. 
you have any that comes to mind? If I do, I'll let you know. Sometimes they just pop in there. Uh huh. I'm terrible at like on the spot stuff. <laughs> I probably do have. I have a couple of really good quotes I like, but uh-huh. I can't think of them right now. You have any uh, things you like to live by? Chase what you're passionate about. Honesty. Being honest is really good. Yeah. It's it's uh, got me in more places than lying about everything. So I don't know. I, I can't I can't sit here and have a philosophical conversation with you. I just I'm not that quick. No, that's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. not you know, now that I say that, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like Damn, if you asked me to give you a quote on the spot, you're right. Like, I do have quotes that I live by. And you'll be in situations, you know, in life, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this applies to this. I I said a quote earlier, and I can't even remember the quote that I said. See? It was like... You're here putting people on the spot, (laughs) making me look like an idiot. (laughs) Which isn't that hard, but, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm admitting that I'm looking like an idiot too. What was it that, uh. Fuck. I literally said it like 30 minutes ago. The the saying. It was a saying. No? You got no clue? I wasn't paying attention. God damn it. <laughs> <sighs> Alright. Well, I think we'll end it here. Cool. But if I figure out what that saying was, I'm going to call you up tonight. Yeah. 12, 13. That was a house blowing up. You heard that? <laughs> a house explosion? <laughs> 12, 30 tonight. I'm going to call you. There's a yeah. saying that I've remembered. I won't answer, but okay. <laughs> All right, Mr. McDonald. Dude, you're awesome. Man. Thank you. This is No, this is sweet. You're awesome. Dude, no, no, no. Letting me do this, letting me come in here and just talk your ear off is cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. And I'm gonna Thanks have, for hanging out, dude. Thank you for having me over. I'm going to have a... We're going to do another one, except on the next one, I'm going to have you research some good quotes. Or when you think okay. of them, you'll call me up. Yeah, yeah. We'll have a more philosophical conversation. It'll just start. No intro. No we'll intro. just start with quote. Yep. And then talk about it. Yes, and then sir. start with a quote and yep. talk about it. Let's do it. That'd be cool. All right. Next time. Thank you, sir.